1: Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show. Don't forget, you can download the Times Radio app, wherever you get your apps on, so you can take Times Radio uh, with you. Listen to us while you're at work, or while you're not at work. Uh, it's uh, 10 till 1, Monday to Friday, uh, live on Times Radio. It's free to listen on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, or on your Times Radio app. Right then, coming up today is Wawa Wednesday, so it must be PMQs unpacked. We pause the action live from the House of Commons as Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak go at it. Tim Shipman and Lara Spirit uh, tell you what went down. Uh, Before that, though, as ever, on a Wednesday, it's time for... The Columnists with Alibert, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. And we say a
2: very good morning to
3: Robert Krabs, who's laughing already. Why are you laughing? Oh, I always just laugh at Alibut. Alibut. I just can't... It, I think it just it, sounds like a
4: fish, doesn't I it a of fish. course.
3: I think that's why we, we kind of have a have a lot of fun, because <laughs> basically, as soon as we hear Alibut, me and Alice look at each other and just start <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we keep laughing for ten minutes. Yes, it's good. Uh, Alice, morning, morning. morning. Nice to have you, Very nice to
5: be here.
3: Now, uh, Robert, there's something different about you. <laughs> I've had my hair dyed. Why have you had... And wh- I
5: didn't uh, notice. No,
3: because it's I've it's had- not a dramatic change. No, it's subtle. Yeah. They said it wouldn't give me full. Coverage, as they call it in the salon. <laughs> uh, inevitably, it's for a piece. It's for Nicola Gill. Yes. Nicola Gill's now a feature, feature on the show. We oh, is she? Well,
1: we've now decided yeah. we could mention her because um, right. yesterday,
3: Danny and David were talking about the things that she'd got her to do. Yeah, well, right. I say,
5: I feel a bit envious because now you've had a free makeover.
3: Yeah, but I mean, I've, I've had so many of those. You know, I mean, I get spray tans. I get. Yeah. You know.
5: I actually prefer you. I think with the graying. Yeah, the I thought hair. it was. Think you so a your hair's good.
3: just a bit darker rather than being the. It's a bit silver darker. I'm not. Yeah, Are I'm not. I'm, I've gone back ten years. So before being, I was a silver fox. I'm now brown fox. You something. should have
5: been blonde. I think.
3: <laughs> can you yeah, tell I'm us? Yeah, I've done blonde. I've done yeah. blonde uh, for Nicola. So can can like, you tell can us why? Cast. Uh, i have been having a photo shoot this afternoon, but I can't tell you the, the, the that is embargoed. You're you're dressing up as someone, but yes, that, that information is under embargo. Yes, in case one of our, our rivals jumps in, <laughs> jumps in in the meantime before because it, it we can't grab we can't publish before a week on Saturday. Yeah, um, and if anybody else has got a shorter lead time, then obviously we'd be scooped. But yeah, and we they, can't have that. We can't have that. <laughs> we can't have that. Well, we look forward to that. That's something yeah. uh, that is something very much to look forward to. Um, let's
1: uh, turn our attention to um, well. Something in our rival's paper. Somebody's messaging saying no COVID tapes today. Just they text that about five minutes after I'll be discussing it, but anyway. Um uh Hancock rejected Witt's advice on care home tests. The oh. lockdown files. One hundred thousand leaked WhatsApp messages revealed. God, some poor so-and-so's
3: got had to go through those.
5: I think mm. it's fantastic actually. I mean, Isabel Oakshot is given them all so she can write about Matt Hancock without Matt Hancock ever realizing that they could be used by anyone else. And yeah. And I know that, you know, she shouldn't have. But on the other hand, you just can't help smiling because (laughs) this man is so totally self-obsessed that he only wanted to use his WhatsApp messages for himself. He didn't care about what was happening with COVID. And yet again, it's all about him.
1: So, yeah, we should explain it. Isabel Oakeshott co-wrote the Pandemic Diaries, the Matt Hancock book. Which I'm
5: sure you've read.
1: Which I'm sure we all got for Christmas.
3: Um, uh, That sort of revisionist one where he kind of left out anything that... Yes. Wasn't well, she's now putting
5: yeah. in what he left so, out. Right. And so she, yeah. he gave
3: impressive. her all of his WhatsApps in order to write the
1: diaries. Yeah, bad and move, then mate. and then she's, uh, and then, so, she, she then presumably got paid to help co-write the partial account, and then having taken all the bits out, she's now got all the but those bits. And <laughs> given them so of but I
5: think her excuse, actually, is quite plausible: is that, that she goes through the different countries that have already done their review yeah. and done their you know inquiry inter. Uh, Covid in the pandemic, yeah. and, and, and we yeah. haven't. We're we're literally years away from it. And by the time we ever actually report on this and on what happened in the pandemic, everyone's going to have forgotten it. So what she's saying is, you know what? I wanted this all to come out now. So I'm sure that's not what she wanted. What she wanted was a <laughs> sensational. Um, I've got. But efforts, she wasn't off but... the
3: record because they were all on the record mm. for the biography. So it's yeah. and somebody's done a bit of poor uh, contractual work with Isabel o- Oakshot. There, they didn't get her to sign an NDA or anything. Well, there's they? been some suggestion. People suggest. So she might have signed an idea. I think MBA, she yeah. may have signed one, actually. Ah. <laughs> uh, somebody's,
1: somebody's messaged in, because we are talking about Le- um, Theresa May's uh, won an award for best uh, best speech of the yeah, year. Yeah, Richard is... Uh... Um, uh, we asked for other political, unlikely political awards. Niall says, Isabel Oakeshott for trusted confidant. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think even um, James Bethel, who was a health minister, said this morning, I think Isabel's a terrific journalist. She's not a very good friend, uh, mm. which is also possibly true. Um,
5: but that's what this problem was. It was all about friends. It's all yeah. very kind of cliquey and we're getting in all this together. And it horrified me that you could see that Matt Hancock was saying stuff that a lot of them didn't believe in and knew was wrong, particularly yeah. on care homes. Uh-huh. And they didn't question him because, A, he was a friend, and B, they didn't sort of want to upset him, you felt, in some way. Yeah, case.
3: it's the kind and of group, th- group thing. It's massive yeah. groupthink. Yeah. And I
5: think, you know... It is H- well, important that we hear
3: this. Is it groupthink? Because actually, what we what
1: the, the, we're well, not the, from Chris Whitty. The, isn't slight, it? <laughs> is the slight problem with the Telegraph stories is it's trying to argue that it's both groupthink mm-hmm. and ministers didn't do what they were told to do.
5: Well, I think it is both actually, because I think the groupthink comes from the ministers and comes from some of the civil servants, and then actually it's Chris Whitty on the other side and the scientists. Yeah. And they kept saying we are following the science. We were told that the yeah, whole yeah, way yeah. through yeah, the that, pandemic. That was the and mantra we especially We expected with. to believe that. And actually, what happens is. It's all
1: political, isn't it? I mean, mm.
5: that's what they were doing. It was all about politics.
1: And I, sp- but I suppose the because I saw I think was the Lib Dems put out a press release this morning saying revealed the the messages lay bare the chaos at the heart mm. of the government. So of course there was chaos. Yeah, we were in the middle of a pandemic when we didn't have uh, masses of. I, can't, I feel like I'm sort of mounting the case of Matt Hancock here. We didn't have masses of tests. Uh, we didn't have. I mean, there's an argument about why we didn't, which you know is more a question yeah. for Jeremy Hunt than for Matt Hancock. Um, now but you... Chris
5: Whitty gave very clear advice about care homes, and it was pretty obvious yeah. to all of us with the care homes that you really, really didn't it's... want people going in there who had COVID and being shut out. But the argument down. this
1: morning, which, which Matt Hancock has his many statements he's put out, is that the, what this leaves out is there was a meeting where they said they didn't have the capacity to do it. Right. So when when confronted with that, you uh, you have to make a choice. So about So what where does he mean then
5: about muddies the waters?
1: Well, that's not clear. About, I mean, that, that is literally not clear because why? <laughs> I mean, because what does that mean in terms of? Um, what would work to stop covid getting into yes it, it just sounds like
3: that Monday's <coughs> m- m- the messaging water yeah. as opposed to th- what should have which been. which i suppose should have, it just means done. he wanted to announce they yeah. were testing mm. the people mm. going yeah i house. think this, the, the whole the, the the narrative that it was all chaos it was all yeah. you know it was like the blitz kind of thing is is it's convenient isn't it it doesn't seem that P- patrick uh, valance and chris witty they don't look they don't look like ever particularly chaotic people at any stage they look very sober very measured mm they were given the advice that which was supposed to be being followed yeah and the chaos was in uh, trying to escape the, uh, you know, the, not pay the political price for, for what was going wrong.
1: But, you know, Patrick Vallance talked about herd immunity uh, at one stage and changed his mind. I mean, I suppose mm. that's the
3: point, is that we, it's all with the
1: benefit of hindsight.
5: But also, I think what is important is that we have this inquiry really quickly, because if we don't have it for the next five years and it carries on and on, we're not going to know what's happening. We're not going to know well, no, and if there's there are ne- any solutions no. to this or what we could do or how we could do it better next and time. And if there is another pandemic, we need to have some of those things coming out. <laughs>
1: and, and, <laughs> and, you, you know, know, and there is a big, Uh, part of all this where the telegraph for some time has been skeptical and critical of the idea of lockdowns yes and so it's called the lockdown files even though nothing
3: really in it so far is about lockdowns Um, because they didn't think the lockdown should have happened because they don't think the lockdown should have happened Uh, yeah and the other danger is with the delay is there's a natural human desire i mean i feel it quite powerfully myself to put the whole thing behind us to think about it again to think oh god what a dreadful two years that was do we really have to pick over it? I know that you've
5: got, my, my mother died, you to so every time this comes up again, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. oh, my God, my mother was in a care home, my father yeah. was in a care home, and I've now got to think about the whole thing all over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't really want to think about it; it, is the awful thing. You actually do, as Robert says, put it behind you, but you yeah. can't if it keeps coming up. I'd much prefer to get the inquiry over or not have an inquiry at all. I don't want to spend, you know, 100 million quid on an inquiry that's not going to get anywhere.
3: Yeah. By getting anywhere, we really mean finding somebody responsible. And that is hard, isn't it? It's, it's gonna be hard to sort of pin the blame on somebody. Well, because also because it will turn out that Chris
1: Whitty and Patrick Vallance made
3: some good decisions, yeah, and they made some bad decisions. It'll turn out that Hancock did yeah. make some
1: good things and, you
3: know. I always thought that the, if there was capacity in this for a scandal, it was gonna be about care homes. Yeah. Because that seemed to me such an obviously bad decision. Mm. And, the, and the death rate in care homes mm. was so yeah. high. But I don't think this is it quite yet. In terms I think of what is interesting is the
5: Swedish experiment because they did change everything. Mm. They they didn't. You know, they, schools were left open. It was much more free, and they've just had their report. And I haven't read that report. And actually, that is one report I want to read. I want yeah, to see yeah, whether yeah. or not because they, they actually had a lower death rate than we did. So,
3: but not significantly did they. No, was but it?
5: at the same time that you know, probably children were less impacted. In fact, they know children yeah, were less impacted yeah. because they didn't have to stop going to school. So yeah. it would be interesting to compare that country. That well, would yeah, give especially us when
3: you when you got to consider that our death rate kind of in now includes people mm. who are dying. From cancer, that yeah, 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 they can't yeah. get appointments for, or heart attacks in the street, and and so also forth. it's one of those things
1: where you know if we go back, the public loved lockdown. Yes. The support for lockdown—I remember one in five people wanted to shut nightclubs forever, yeah, uh, not just you know for now. Yeah. And it, I wonder whether it will start becoming. It was a bit like the Iraq War. Within a couple of years, no one will be able to remember support having supported lockdown because yeah. it, it was obviously a stupid idea. I think yeah, it a good Or um, uh, well, much like Andrew Pritchard. Anyway, let's move on because there's no need to. I've. I've Mentioned our uh, there. Let's talk about uh, Michael Gove, uh, because I'm sure this will run and run, it'll run and run. Uh, whether or not it'll make the mind a bit of difference, I'm not absolutely sure. Um, Michael Gove has been speaking at the Onward Think Tank. He suggested that parents who fail to ensure children attend school regularly could have their child benefits cut. He said the policy was originally worked up on the coalition but was blocked by the Lib Dems.
5: I think post-pandemic you can't do this because it's been so difficult to get children back to school. They've had a very difficult time. I think you know, they've got incredibly bad rates of getting children back to school and I don't think it's going to help. I think you need carrot, not stick on this. You need to help people back into schools. You need to make it more interesting for them to go back into schools. You need to be... It's so exam-orientated, the schools, it's, you know, that, that you need to try and entice children back in, not cut the benefits from their parents.
1: And the or, other problem is that the coalition government uh, stopped child benefit being universal. So if you earn over forty thousand, I think yeah. you start losing it. So suddenly, this is a policy only aimed at poor families. Yes, this is.
3: This, uh, this is. I don't think uh, Michael Michael Gove has really covered himself in glory with this. This, this, this is the kind of. This is sort of invoking. It's a dog whistle, invoking kind of feckless, shameless people who uh, let their kids run wild, and there really aren't very many of those people around. Uh, I think most people do want to get ensure their children get to school and. The idea of cutting... I'm not in the business of cutting child benefit for people who need it. It When it was still universal, then maybe, because, I mean, I remember losing child benefit... under the coalition thinking that's a good thing because we yeah, didn't, yeah. you know, didn't need that.
5: And if your children stay anxious or depressed, say you've got a teenager who's really, really mm. finding it difficult to go into school, yeah. you're going to be upset enough anyway. It's a really tough decision as a parent if you have got a child who doesn't want to go in. Quite often that is really, really sort of gut-wrenching because you know they're going to miss out on school, they're going yeah. to miss out on life, they're hanging around at home. It's not always because of sort of feckless parents. It's well, actually because no, no. a lot... And they can't go... You can't actually get very much mental just, health care for children.
3: Just no. as a lot of people have got out of the habit of going to work, during the pandemic, yeah. I mean, it's a struggle for all the uh, companies, private and public sector, to get people into the office. Then that must apply to, yeah, yeah. to, to kids yeah. as well. And also,
1: just as a messaging
3: tool, the yes. government said it was all right
1: for you to miss school during the pandemic. It was all right for you to miss school yeah. during the strikes. Yeah. But if you have an yeah. issue that means your child's not going yeah. to school, then, then we'll take money off you, but only if you're earning, it's actually 50000 Anybody who earns mm. more than £50,000 has to pay back their child benefit. So so yeah, which is okay. an entirely separate thing about um the universality Right, the I hadn't appreciated that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that was a that was a that was a sort of George Osborne thing of just trying to find some money out of the welfare system. Yeah. Right, Alice, let's talk about your column uh today. It's about teenagers vaping. And I have to say, particularly the father of a teenager, albeit a young one. I hadn't realised quite Quite how massive this has become in quite a short space of time.
5: It's only really in the last two years they've had these things called elf bars that come from China, and are in these forty different flavours, which are obviously guaranteed for children to like because they're bubble gum. They're you know they're all sorts of fruit flavours. There's chocolate flavour. You can get what you want really, and they come in these bright colours, so they look like felt tips or markers, and they're everywhere in the schools. So you know one school spent one hundred twenty nine thousand quid on trying to get them out of the loo's. Um, they they don't let children now go to the toilet in lessons because they're worried they're vaping halfway through the lessons. One mum told me that her child wakes up in the middle of the night to vape because they're so worried about it. And these are very strong. These elf bars are made of nicotine and they are up to 43 cigarettes in each one. They're also disposable, so they're incredibly bad for the environment. Yes,
1: Rodney. Reading, Alice, is... Column of it, just the idea of was what was one child who was wake, setting an alarm to wake up? Yeah, yeah, to puff on a vape at three in the morning so they could wake up without. I mean, I, sm- symptoms.
3: I, I smoke normal cigarettes and not even I don't even wake, I don't wake up at three, I don't smoke in my sleep. Don't you, don't,
1: don't you sit in bed in a <laughs> no,
3: s- <I> velvet <laughs> I, smoking jacket? Yeah, I used to back in the day. <laughs> I used to lie there. I was talking about this with my wife the other night. I used to lie there with an ashtray balanced on my chest. Imagine. Oh my God. Imagine might have how times change like Onslow in keeping up appearances. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, but I never set an alarm for three in the morning because my cigarettes have got forty-three less amount of nicotine in. It's extraordinary. I mean, vaping kicked off as it was. It, it, it was supposed to be the way of uh, the gateway out of smoking cigarettes, wasn't it? And then it exploded as an industry in its own right. I mean, I'd, as you know, I travel around doing reporting uh, on. Uh, around Britain quite a lot. And the one thing you can always see in a high street, which is maybe denuded of other shops, you've got the charity shop, you've got the tattoo parlor, you've got the nail bar, and you've got the vape Mm. shop. Uh, which is something that just wasn't, and these disposables wasn't there five are everywhere. years ago. Yeah. So you go yeah. on a
5: bus, you go on and you know a tube, you look there in hedges, they're, they're yeah. literally scattered everywhere because you just bin them and that's what's so depressing as well, is it's not only really bad for your health, which you can say it isn't because it's pure nicotine, but we have no idea what the yeah. health result's going to be like this in 20 years' time, I mean, particularly with children.
1: Children being addicted to something yeah. strikes me as not good.
5: Well, it's also when they can't Not go into any- exams. So yeah. one teacher was saying that he has to have nicotine patches for them all because they won't go into a two- or three-hour exam because they're so addicted. And half students now say that they're vaping, and that is extraordinary.
1: Yeah. I mean, but, that's throwback. Well, last uh, year, there was a report out on, uh, on how to move to, uh, what was it called? Obsolete. Making smoking obsolete. Uh, it was an independent government report. The government's yet to respond to it, but it was written by uh, Javid Khan, who's on the line now. Morning, Javid. Good morning. Uh, your report talked about uh, promoting vaping uh, as an effective tool to help people to quit smoking tobacco. Has the enthusiasm for helping people quit smoking created an entirely separate problem of a lot of children who are addicted to to vapes instead?
6: Well, well, thank you for the intro. I mean, that was one aspect of a quite a detailed report. So it wasn't just about vaping on its own. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a package of solutions to how we can make this country genuinely uh, smoke free. Uh, I mean, my my research for that report showed that, uh, uh, firstly, vaping is not a silver bullet, right? So it's a part of a package of solutions. Uh, It's not perfect. And as I was just said a minute ago, you know, it has not been around long enough for for any serious longitudinal studies, you know, like we know about cigarettes. We know nicotine-based cigarettes are are going to probably kill two out of three people who use them. There is no such evidence around vaping but there is evidence to show already that they are between 50 and 95% safer than a traditional cigarette. However, it's always better not to smoke and not to vape either. The, the, the point you're talking about today is very close to my heart as well about uh, young people and the attraction to vaping. And I go to some lengths in my report about recognising mm. this and saying to the government, they've got to act and act fast because there is an issue out there. And I, and I say they've got to ban uh the cartoon characters and the appealing packaging which is designed specifically to attract young people they've got to review the flavors you know why have we got bubblegum flavor for example what's that about it's about attracting young people we've got to stop vaping companies from handing out uh vapes to young people for free they can currently do that there are no controls on it i would also say we've got to review the school health curriculum to include the risks of vaping alongside the risks of cigarette smoking and alcohol. So the range of interventions that the government really should be seizing the moment now and doing it before it really becomes a big problem. Your report came out in August
1: last year. Have you got any sense of the government being gripped by this?
6: Well, no, it's been quite disappointing, really. Uh, You know, I understand there's been lots and lots of conversations and lots of paper flying around within the department, (laughs) uh, but no decisions being taken. So dithering is probably one way of explaining it, but ha- having said that, you know, let's have some sympathy. We know there's been quite a few other things to deal with in government <laughs> in the last summer and, and winter. Having said that, though, the opposition have certainly seized the moment. So you, you may have heard about Wes Streeting saying that when yeah. uh, uh, if a Labour government comes into play in a couple of years' time, uh, they will uh, go out to consultation on all of the recommendations in my report.
1: Alice, the point that you make in your column is just that we don't know the long-term impact on this, and it would at least make sense to take some action now
5: Yes, and it's Rather not about banning years it. years to come. Yeah, I mean, what I find is it's just very rare they're easy solutions, and this is an easy solution. If it's to, uh, vaping mm-hmm. is to help you stop smoking cigarettes as an adult, what you do is you make them into adult things to use so that you don't have the bright colours, you don't have all the different flavours. And what's shocking is that these elf bars are coming from China where they've banned the flavouring yeah, yeah, yeah. and the colours. So actually they're not letting their children get hold of them. So why are we then letting our children have them? And it's the same, lots of countries around the world have banned them. Why why are we actually
6: letting our children have these things? Um, I completely agree with you, Alice. I mean, vaping is a good quit tool, and that's all it should ever be. Mm. So, you, Unfortunately, it, it, it's becoming a cool tool for young people. And, and it, that's what Is your suggestion that basically then it should be plain
1: packaging, maybe even prescribed by a doctor helping someone to quit, and it just shouldn't be available on the high street in bubblegum flavour at all?
6: Yeah. I, I agree. I think we should move as quickly as possible to prescribed vaping through GPs. So, it's something you get from a chemist rather than from a news
3: agent. Yep. Or, yeah. Or, or, or a specialist shop.
1: Robert Crampton, and Alice Thompson, then, of course, you can read them both in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Redbox. Up next, it's PMQs Unpacked.
0: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at LutonRising.org.uk.
1: You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQs unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the
3: politics and cutting through the crossfire.
6: Order, order.
2: I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman.
1: And Tim Shipman is here looking resplendent in pink again. Well, you know, it was so popular last it was time. I actually
7: got messages saying "nice top" and things like that. Well, there which, we are. Uh, so I thought if, we'd give it another. Whirl. If that's
1: not a good reason to get on YouTube, I don't know what it is. Go to Times Radio's uh, YouTube channel, uh, and you'll be able to see Tim in his pink. Uh, Tim. If, I genuinely don't know what Keir Starmer might, might choose to go at today.
7: No, I mean, the big stories are not obvious sort of PMQ's fodder. Um, yeah. Refighting the pandemic um, might be something that Keir Starmer wants to get into later in the year when the inquiry gets going. But it's, I struggle to see that that's going to lead to six questions today. Um, and the Brexit stuff, they've said often enough that, that they'll vote for this deal and... Um, and in the absence so far of ERG kicking off or DUP going beyond a few mild criticisms, um, there's not really much to pull out in the same way Starmer did last week in terms of ramming a, a chisel uh, between St- uh, Sunak and his party. So, I'd, you know, maybe he'll he's come out with these five missions, um, things on the cost of living, things on crime, that sort of thing, whether he wants to try and illuminate one of those for the nation, get back to big, broad arguments about um the state of play after um you know a few weeks of sort of uh, much more detailed kind of granular news um and try and frame the rest of the year that's possible i guess um but no it's one of those where there's a bit of a challenge for labor but it's kind of interesting to see what they regard as important and and how they decide to frame things today because that will yeah. tell us a great deal about how they plan to move forward today might be a day
1: for the old uh, william Hague trick of uh dance around dance around the uh, dance around the folder you know, do something on aardvarks, then something on zoos, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, which you said, I really needs to get around the. Um, get around... Those are
7: too simple. You want to go for something about two thirds of the way through the alphabet, don't you? It's me? interesting.
1: Actually, do you file Ardvarks under zoos? That would be the question. Is it or all, all, all animals? Yeah. Anyway, there's an interesting question. Uh, looking at the House of Commons, uh, lots of MPs are wearing uh, daffodils on their uh, lapels today because... St David's Day. St David's Day. Well, in fact, I say that. Lots of Labour MPs are wearing them. They're not on the government front bench. Sinak's not wearing I know this because like. one of my chums is a Welshman and he sent me a picture of a dragon this morning. Well, there we are. Uh, seen Sinak's not wearing one, though. Nor is uh, Swellabarman or uh, uh, Dominic Rob. Maybe Dominic Rob threw his at someone. Allegedly, we don't. I'm not, I'm not saying that was just a joke. Well, I was trying to see whether Angela Rayner was
7: wearing one because she admitted wearing a wig the other day. Did she? When she goes out on a night out, she likes to wear a wig.
1: Does she want She does doesn't get comp- recognised. Uh, apparently. Maybe Michael Goh should try that. That's what she suggested. What do you, what, what's weird is uh, Jeremy Hunt's got one on. The Chancellor, he's got a daffodil on. Not a wig? No. No. It- <laughs> And uh, obviously the Welsh Secretary, David Davis, has got one on. Very wise. TC. Uh, but no, not... Um, which should sit down, which is a surprise, given that the, um, there was some YouGov polling out this week saying the Tories are facing near Wipeout in Wales. I think I'd probably stop one on. Anyway, we can go live to the House of Commons now to see who's got a daffodil on and who's got a wig on. Uh, it's uh, question number one from Keir Starmer. Uh,
2: thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I join the Prime Minister in wishing everybody a happy St David's Day? Mr Speaker after 13 years of Tory failure, the average family in Britain will be poorer than the average family in Poland by 2030. Exactly. That is a shocking state of affairs. If the Tories limp on in government, we are going to see a generation of young people learning to say Auf same pet in Polish, aren't we? Yeah.
3: Minister. Uh,
2: Mr.
4: Mr Mr. Mr. Speaker, it is clear to everyone that the biggest impact on households' living standards is the energy prices that we are suffering at the moment as a result of an illegal war in Ukraine. And I will just remind the hon. Gentleman what we are doing to ease people through that. Because of our energy price guarantee, right now the Government is paying over half of a typical household energy bill, saving households right now £1,000. It is one of the most generous support schemes globally. Now, he knows, he knows future decisions to support cost of living are for the budget, but if he's concerned about the cost of living, what he should do is stop making inflationary, unfunded spending commitments <laughs> and back our plan to halve inflation.
1: Well, there we are. Um, uh, cost of living
7: cost of living and which uh, we're now learning to say like we used to say schools and hospitals all, all, <laughs>
1: all it's all one word cost of living cost of living is all one word and uh, Keir Starmer addressing the problem of when you make a big speech on the economy and nobody takes any notice because there's other news on Brexit better have another go at he it just, just repeat the same line his big the line earlier this week was that Britain's on course to be poorer than Poland uh, and he thought he'd have another go at it but well then, then he, we he talked to about our feeders aim pet yeah. which is a bit of a retro how reference old, how, how long do we think that 1983? is
7: 1983 Three, nineteen
1: eighty-five. I think
7: with the
1: two series. Anyone on YouTube who wants to tell me, uh, it was on from uh, originally. It seems like it was on from nineteen eighty-three. Bingo. Nineteen eighty-four. Then it came back in nineteen eighty-six. That's right. Yes. And then you had back another the go in two thousand and two, two thousand and four. Which I think was. Probably, yeah, we could probably forget about the last one. So you'd have to be. Uh, Well over... Well, my age, basically.
7: Well over 40 to have a clue what he's talking about there. But
1: also you need to have watched it and understood it and have got the idea And just for those who didn't watch it... Yes, please do. Let's unpack.
7: A bunch of British brickies primarily um, who were unable to find work in the uh, torrid times of early 80s Britain uh, went to Germany and built stuff and created lives there and sent their money home to their families. Um, And it's one of those sort of classic um, ITV comedy dramas where, um, you know, it was, uh, it was quite moving and it was quite funny and it was, a you know, a good ensemble cast of guys enjoying themselves. What I rather regret there from Keir Starmer, it's all very well saying, you'll have to say Alfred the same pet in Polish, it would have been a lot more it impressive if he if had, he had done.
1: Yes, let's have a look and see what that is. Yeah, I I, I wonder whether somebody in the office thought they'd have a go. And uh, so it was what, goodbye pet in Polish. I'll we'll see if we can. Uh, in terms of the, um, the 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 detail of it, um, Richie Sunak like accusing Labour of uh, inflationary unfunded spending commitments. And actually, the big complaint you get from Labour MPs and benchers right now is they're not allowed to commit to anything. Uh, no, indeed. Um, that the, the there aren't that uh, Rachel Reeves is preventing them from from making any She's big spending ruling commitments. With
7: a rod of iron, we're told. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an intriguing uh, aspect to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't think of anything more intelligent. But let's go. You're that absolutely comments, correct. I will no, see if I, I can get, get to the
1: bottom to of how you say Alfie doesn't pet in Polish. You and I will do this before uh, uh, the end it. of PMQs. Uh, let's go back then to the House of Commons. This is question number two from Keir <laughs> The
2: dictionary. The dictionary definition of unfunded commitments is last year's kamikaze yeah! budget. the speaker? The only country in the G7 still poorer than it was before the pandemic, and he stands there pretending it's all fine—total denial about the damage and decline that he is presiding over. Delivering growth and tackling the cost-of-living crisis will mean standing up to vested interests. Energy bills are going to go up by £900 in April. He knows he's going to have to act, but who's going to pay? Hard-working families through higher taxes and more borrowing, or the oil and gas giants celebrating record profits.
4: Yeah. Well, m- Mr. Speaker, I know. I know the honourable gentleman. He made a rare trip out of North London to visit Davos. To visit Davos recently. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps he. Met, perhaps while he was there, perhaps. There. He missed the survey of 4,000 global CEOs from 100 different countries that ranked the United Kingdom as their number one European investment destination. Now, if he's serious, if he's serious about getting the economy growing, then he should stand up to the vested interests in the unions and back our minimum
0: service levels.
1: <laughs> People just throwing out all sorts of old. Old Lines, Kamikaze Budget. We've not had that for a long time. And then Rishi a Rishi for going to Davos.
7: Yeah. It was about six weeks ago, wasn't it? That's a while ago. And also, you know, it's not like he's never been to Davos. And then we had minimum service levels. Minimum I'll be service honest, service. it was just a sort of word soup, word, wasn't it? Soup. And I'm too busy excitedly <laughs> trying to find out what how to say
1: goodbye pets in Polish I think we've now established why uh, Keir Starber didn't attempt it because this is it according to Google żegnaj zwierzaku and again żegnaj zwierzaku żegnaj zwierzaku żegnaj zwierzaku żegnaj zwierzaku żegnaj zwierzaku come on Matt. yeah there we are very good I'm glad we've sorted that out. Uh, There's nothing more really to say about that word soup, I don't think. Let's go back to the House of Commons again. This is question number three from Keir Starmer. Mr
2: Speaker, here's the thing. All all the CEOs of business are saying there's only one party with a plan for growth, and it's this party here. Uh, AND And there's only one party that broke the economy, and they're sitting there. Now, on energy bills, it's not as complicated as he pretends. Oil and gas companies are making vast, unexpected profits whilst working people face misery of higher bills. He can boast all he likes, but companies like Shell didn't pay a penny in windfall tax last year, and they're still not paying their fair share now. Why doesn't he admit his mistake, get rid of the loopholes in his botched windfall tax, and finally choose family finances over oil profits?
4: Mr. Speaker, there's a theme
2: here. He seems to forget as Chancellor introduced
4: a new tax on energy companies. Energy companies. And energy companies will pay a 75% tax rate on extraordinary profits, comparable, indeed, higher than other naughty nations. Now, that's what his shadow levelling up secretary called for recently. Lisa but I've got Andy. good news for them. We did it a year ago. Yeah. They've got to keep up. Now, I know, I know Mr Speaker, they, cl- they claim to support levelling up, but they really do need to keep up.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK.
1: <laughs> Has everyone gone mad? Uh, no, We're they're just on... doing dad gags, on not they? are now... Um, I wonder how long ago Lisa Nandy said that about uh, windfall tax. Yeah. Um... Well, look, there's an important thing here. There's, this
7: is good terrain for Labour to push on because yeah. we've just had a new energy price cap uh, ruling, which will mean that despite all the help the government's been pouring in, at really quite vast expense, um, uh, bills are still going to go up. Yeah, um, and uh, because the government is withdrawing some of its support, the big debate ahead of uh, the budget um, uh, later this month is that um, uh, you know, do they keep that level of support going? I think it's going to be quite politically difficult for them if they don't um uh, that doesn't mean they'll do it but this is going to become a focus of a of a lot of lobbying um from the opposition from uh, a lot of interest groups and i would think from some conservative backbenchers um to try and sort of just buy a bit more time to get through um uh, the problems and and wait for the um uh, the, the the drop in the cost of energy to start to filter through to customers um and then we have this sort of brilliant exchange about windfall taxes which was largely speaking Keir Starmer going why don't you do this? your your windfall tax is rubbish and Sunak saying I did a windfall tax and it's like yeah we know you did um, <laughs> which to be fair is more than Boris Johnson or Liz ever used to say they used to, used say, to, they used to deny doing it,
1: it even when they'd done it it had a strange name when Rishi Sunak did it the first time uh, 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 additional profits levy yes that's so, so energy yeah he Which was the, he didn't want to
7: be seen to be doing yeah, yeah. the windfall tax by his own side. But as soon as Labour have a go at him, he's like, look at me and my windfall tax. So,
1: um, yeah, I mean... I'm, unfortunately, our our impact is becoming more complicated. Um, Jane has been in touch saying a better translation would be Zobagzny uh, Kokkany. I should have checked that because that could be deeply offensive to all of our Polish listeners. Um, is that because we're rather than pet as an animal, we're doing sort of love. Or pet something. is a, yeah, maybe. A Jane, term of Jane, affection. Jane, if you want to get in touch. In fact, Jane, if you text us 8722, start with the word times, we can get you on. Uh, you, let's get on the well, phone. Send us a voice note. Send us a voice <laughs> note. Uh, yeah, send us, your, send us your phone number, Jane, we'll get you on. You can give us some Polish lessons then we can pass it on to Keir Starmer. Because, frankly, that makes as much sense as what's going on in PMQ today. Uh, for, for Because we've got to, for legal reasons, let's go back to the House of Commons question number four from Keir Starmer!
2: Starmer. Reduced a tax on Shell and they haven't paid a penny. Fantastic work. <laughs> if he was serious about investing in the future of the country, he'd start with housing. A few months ago, his backbenchers forced him to scrap house-building targets. At the time, he stood there and said it would mean they would build more homes. Well, uh, would you believe it? A few months later, the Home Builders' Federation say house building is going to fall to its lowest level in 75 years. Now He can change course on this. He can bring back targets and planning reforms, or he can duck that fight and let a generation down. Which is it?
4: Yeah. Prime Actually, Mr Speaker, we've had recordly high numbers of house building and, and indeed the highest number of first-time buyers in around 20 years under this government. But he talks about investing for the long term of our country and that's important when it comes to energy security, Mr Speaker. But Labour's policy, Labor's policy is to oppose any new oil and gas licences in the North Sea. It is an absurd policy that would see us paying billions to countries abroad for our energy, while shipping it here with twice the carbon emissions. It's typical political posturing, it's bad for the economy, it's bad for our security, just like the Labour Party. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What? Well, because not-
7: of the noise oh. I don't think the Prime Minister is hearing the questions, because I do think it was on house building. summer <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: It took the words out of my mouth. Well, that's a better uh, way uh, to
7: Lindsay have a pop Hall. at someone as well, isn't it, yeah. from Lindsay Hoyle than the sort of, you know, I need to stop you doing this or yeah. whatever. Have um, a cup of just tea. Have the, a cup of take tea. Take the mickey out of them.
1: Um, yes, yeah, so we want to house building now.
7: Yeah, you know, so you're right, we've gone to H in the alphabet. Yeah. Flicking through. So what do we,
1: we had we had uh, Poland Poland to begin with, then kamikaze budget, then the windfall tax, now we want a house building.
7: Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's, there's a theme and he's working his way through it. Um... Yeah, I mean, house house building is a classic generational failure of yeah. all uh, the whole British political class. But yes, um, uh, they're right to um, draw attention to the,
8: uh, but the recent
1: end of those targets. Exactly, but Keir Starmer committing to targets and planning reforms. There's a reason why the Conservatives haven't done all that. It's because it ends up being really controversial in local it's areas. It's
7: always very difficult in local areas, but without... Um, But frankly, there are some things it's easier for Labour parties to do and there are some things it's easier for Tory parties to do. It's probably easier for a Labour party to do housing reform because it doesn't have shire counties getting hoity-toity in in Tory seats. They don't mind upsetting Tory seats. Uh, In the same way, it's easier for Labour to reform the NHS because they're essentially trusted with the NHS and if the Tories come along and try and reform it, um, it tends to run into trouble, um, which is why... uh, most Tory governments just chuck money at it and hope it will go away. And then we saw a classic of the pivot didn't we from uh, from Sunak. I don't much you know he was told you're going about to have the worst house building for 75 years. He said, well it has been good. And by the way, pivot, energy security, that's very important as yeah. well. Um and then a classic sort of Sunak point, you know, a man who clearly has, you know, immersed himself in the detail and uh, he's probably right to say that. Uh, Labour's policies a bit bonkers on uh, uh, oil and gas licences, but you know there's obviously political reasons for opposing that too. If you're doing greenery, and this shows how complicated government is, yeah, yeah. you want energy security, so you need to need your own suppliers of energy. Um, you want to do greenery and saving the world. Um, it's quite difficult yeah, to start promoting oil and gas. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is government, and it's yeah. difficult, um, and it's easy to score points in both directions. And
1: that's why we're here because it's Prime Minister's Question Time, and it's absolutely over the place. Uh, loads of you. Um, uh, getting in touch about.
0: Żegna,
1: zwierzaku. Yeah, good, but, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a uh, goodbye pet in uh, Polish. Um, uh, Jane won't come on. She says uh, I'm not Polish. Get one of your Polish listeners on. Jen says you slightly missed the point with Vidzien pet. Keep the pet. It's an affectionate name like love. And you just need the goodbye in Polish, so it should be Vidznezia. No, Vidzenia pet. And Helen says goodbye pet in German is how in Haustier. so you really just need to translate goodbye in Polish. So, so it's do pet anyway. That's true. The pet Zegna doesn't change, zwiezaku. does it? Cool. No. So we just want the goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, well, we've made a whole of that. So this. We? So it should be this. Do widzenia. Do widzenia. D- do widzenia. Do widzenia pet. Do widzenia pet. Do widzenia. Dovidzenia. I mean, I think Keir Starmer could have, have had, had, had a crack a go at, that. at that. He could definitely have had a go at yeah. that. Dovidzenya. Dovidzenia. Dovidzenia. Dovidzenia, pet. Dovidzenia. Do <laughs> Who knew this is where we are going to end up today? I mean, uh, right, we've still got two more. I don't want to, to
7: cast dispersions, but this is more fun than what's going on in the chamber, <laughs> <isn't> it?
1: <laughs> this is why, you see, on the other side, they're just playing out PMQs. You'd be bo- absolutely... I was almost swore there. You'd be bored witless, is what I was going to say. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. This is question number five. <laughs> My joke wasn't that good.
2: And on-house...
1: On I think we were shouting more from uh, Lindsay Hoyle.
2: On-house building, Mr Speaker. Yeah, that's, that's the best the response. the lowest level for 75 years. A whole generation of people desperate to get on the housing ladder. 13 years in power. And all he's got to say to them is, it's somebody else's fault, let me deflect. No wonder they're furious with his government. And it's not just bills or housing. Families are paying over £1,000 a month just to send their child to nursery. If he scrapped his non-DOM status, he could start to fund better childcare, put money back in people's pockets and get parents back to work. Seems a pretty simple choice to me. So what's he going to choose? Wealthy tax avoiders or hard-working parents? Well, Mrs.
4: Mr Speaker, if we want to see what happens with house building under a Labour government, just look what's going on in London, Mr Speaker. And when it comes to tax, the facts don't suit his argument, let's just go over them. The wealthiest pay more tax, the poorest pay less tax than under any year of the last Labour government, Mr Speaker. About his plans, he's already spent, he's already spent the money he claims he'd raised from that policy on five different things, Mr Speaker. It's the same old Labour Party always running out of other people's money.
1: (laughs) The job to keep tabs on this. So we had a bit more house building, then we've moved on to tax and benefits. Uh, Yes. Um,
7: I mean, I don't know what to say, really. The question was... uh not very exciting. The answer though, interesting little sort of clue there towards the end of Sunak's thing where he talked about, you know, uh, he's already spent this money that he said yeah, he's yeah. going to spend on five different things. Now, that is a classic trope of, a, of an election campaign yeah. where the research departments of your parties get to work on everybody's pledges, um, you know, the IFS and everybody else pours over it. But you can see, I, I think Jeremy Corbyn's lot according to the conservative party spent yeah. certain tax rises about 20 times yeah. over and if they're you know one of the things that the Tories will hope to have achieved is to have stabilised the economy by the end of the year and they will still then run because they have to because it's a classic um trope of a campaign that you know Labour can't be trusted with the economy, and they'll say, you know, despite everything we talked about before, despite Rachel Reeves stopping people spending money, if it looks like they have spent it multiple times, you can guarantee that that will be all over the posters, all over the digital um, ads. um, And that's what, you know, Keir Starmer will be running it, you know, we need it's time for a change, and the Tories will be saying it's too risky. And that's, you know, everything we know about the next election already. And, you know, too busy running out of other people's money. It's a bit of an old line. But, yeah, it's, qu- but
1: it's quite a good quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, 1976, uh, it seems to have been. Uh, she was on the TV. Uh, so it was after she was, she'd was she become leader of the opposition, uh, but before she got into government. And she said, uh, socialist governments traditionally do make a financial mess. They always run out of other people's money. So uh, reaching, reaching deep into the history book, even older than Alfie Dazine Pets. But it's a good line and people like it and it... Uh, and it, and it um, you know, and it got a cheer from the uh, from the back benches.
7: Yeah, and again, after a pretty slow start, um, the last couple of questions the, the, the Tories behind seem a little more satisfied than they were at the beginning of this exchange.
1: Uh, David's been in touch. This program needs a serious rethink. Annoying on so many levels: the skitting in jokes, annoying explainers. I mean, that's literally the point of why we're here to explain things. Tim is interesting. Matt is woeful. I think that's very unfair. Do widzenia. Yeah, goodbye Dave. Uh, let's go <laughs> back to the House of Commons. Uh, who knows how uh, Keir Starbuck's going to tie all of this up together uh, in one last exchange. This is question number six from Keir Starmer.
0: Keir Starmer,
2: Mr Speaker, he's never happier than he's pretending everything's fine or blaming someone else. And, and didn't we just see it there? He is choosing tax avoiders over hard-working parents. Mr Speaker, I don't want to finish this session without asking about the COVID disclosures in today's Daily Telegraph. Now we don't know the truth of what happened yet. There are too many messages and too many unknowns. Oh, but families across the country, families across the country will look at this and the sight of politicians writing books, portraying themselves as heroes, or selectively leaking messages
3: Matt Hancock will be talking about
2: insulting and ghoulish spectacle for them. At the heart of this is every family who made enormous sacrifices for the good of the country or who tragically lost loved ones. The country deserves better. The COVID inquiry has already cost the taxpayer £85 million and hasn't heard from a single government minister yet, so can the Prime Minister assure the House no more delays that the Inquiry will have whatever support it needs to report by the end of this year.
6: Yeah. Well,
4: Mr Speaker, the last couple of years were an incredibly difficult time for everyone involved in the Health Service, and I pay tribute to all their hard work, and I know the House will join me in that regard. And now, Rather than comment on piecemeal bits of information, I am sure the hon. Gentleman will agree with me the right way for these things to be looked at is the COVID inquiry. That's why we've established the COVID inquiry. And he will know, he will know, as I have, he has mentioned it one or two times before that he was a lawyer in a previous life, that there is a proper process to these things. It is an independent inquiry. It has the resources it needs. It has the powers it needs. And what we should all do in this house is let them get on and do their job.
7: I mean, I think I could have scripted that answer, to be honest, you know, It'll finish when it finishes. It's not up to me. Um, but 85 million is a lot. Yes. I mean, that's um, a phenomenal... I mean, that might be a real be a shock a, to people, I'll, 85 I'll, million pounds. To me, I must confess. Um, yeah. Um, that's There's a lot of... Presumably a lot of staff and a lot of buildings and a lot of sitting around and gathering evidence. And, and trawling through WhatsApps. Well, as it will now be. Interesting, though, that Starmer sort of gave Hancock the benefit of the doubt there and said it's not proven yet, and Hancock's been pushing back. I mean, no, he's not following this. Essentially, there are WhatsApps in which it appears that Hancock declined the advice of the medical experts to test everybody going into care homes and decided only to test people leaving hospital. Um, he claims there was a meeting at which it was decided, including by the scientists, that that was impractical um, and that that has been omitted from the reporting. Um, so it's a bit murky um, and um, Starmer not over-committing to one side or the other on that. But, yeah, Trying, I think, to be fair to Starmer, I don't think that was, in a sense, an attempt to get uh, Sunak to commit to... Uh, finishing the inquiry i think it was more a case of we really need to talk about this at some point yeah, today yeah. and this is a way i can find a procedural uh way of getting into it without sort of taking sides in the uh, uh in the debate
1: itself and if we're being really really cynical it's always quite handy if you're the labour leader to you know insert yourself in a story of a, of a, well, a, of a paper say, which isn't always ter- oh, you know
7: terribly friendly towards you i dare say there will be a headline in tomorrow's telegraph saying Starmer calls for you know fast results yeah you know? and yeah and sort of job done in that sense sure. um, uh, <laughs> almost the most explicable and yes
1: it at le- uh, least made more sense compared to everything else thing that happened um, uh, today really well there we are our feeders and pet indeed uh lara spirit is here you have bought us the best of the rest you've been watching the others so that we don't have to uh what have you bought for us
8: I so we said before that it was going to be a really fascinating week, and we were expecting some interesting contributions uh, on Northern Ireland. There was much more from Conservative MP backbenchers on local schools and even from about the ceramics industry from one uh, MP than there was on kind of substantive engagement on whether or not they'd be supporting Rishi Sunak's flagship Brexit deal. But uh, an interesting question that I think we'll start with from Stephen Flynn, who is of course Westminster's SNP leader. Uh, I what is interesting about this? This is about the comment mentioned many times in the chamber today, yesterday by Rishi Sunak to the effect of uh, seemingly praising the uh, single market and uh, Northern Ireland's uh, unique access to it. Uh, But the interesting thing that people should listen out to in this uh, is how Labour are targeted uh, in this question as well. So just have a listen to this.
6: David Flynn!
2: Mr Speaker, let's be clear. What the Prime Minister said yesterday was that EU single market access will be a good thing for business. Now, of course, that's in contrast to the leader of the Labour Party who said in December the EU single market access would not boost economic growth. Does it hurt the Prime Minister to know that the Labour Party believe in Brexit more than he does?
4: (laughs) Uh, Mr. Mr. Mr Speaker, with regard to Northern Ireland, the important thing to note is to avoid a land border on the island of Ireland between North and South. That is what is crucial to achieve in getting the right framework for the arrangements in Northern Ireland. And the businesses there that trade across that border on a daily basis with complex supply chains need and value that access. That is something that the Windsor Framework has sought to achieve and I believe delivers it. It's not, it's not about the macro issue of membership of the European Union, it's about getting the right mechanisms in place to support businesses and communities in Northern Ireland and I would say to the honourable gentleman he knows better than that he knows that this is about Northern Ireland and I hope that he can support what we've agreed. Uh,
1: interesting uh, do you think Tim Shipman was, <clears throat> was it a, a mistake by Rishi Sunak did he just get over excited when he's in Northern Ireland talking up the deal and the benefits of Northern Ireland um, thinking that people in the rest of the UK might not be listening?
7: Well, there's always a danger of that.
1: Um, I mean, you know,
7: this was this has
1: been the case
7: um, with the deals that they've been doing over there, that it was effectively going to get access to both places. And it, um, if you're trying to sell it to the Northern Irish, saying a bunch of businesses might want to come and locate here um, is a good thing. You can also, frankly, sell it to the rest of the UK on that basis too, that, you know, um, this can become a hive of uh, a lot of industry that yeah. we can benefit from as well. Um but yes, in terms of the internal uh, machinations of the Conservative Party, eulogising uh, access to the single market um,
1: is slightly problematic. Slightly problematic. And Laura, interesting the point that you make that uh, Stephen Flynn now facing in two directions. Not just duffing up the Tories, but feeling that he needs to also take a swipe at Keir Starmer.
8: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's been one of the main features of commentary during this SNP election, right? That a number of pollsters are saying that because of the departure of Nicola Sturgeon, Labour can actually finally uh, set some quite optimistic sights on uh, winning a a much higher number of seats uh, north of the border than we might have originally thought they'd done had she not departed. So I think that's why you might end up seeing in Prime Minister's questions uh, quite, you know, um, clear attacks, not just on, uh, on Rishi Sunak, but also on Keir Starmer too.
7: There's probably 12 to 20 seats that are now back in play um, that weren't. And that's quite a big prize, you know. Um, If the SNP is going to keep making the argument that it has a moral right to hold a referendum, um, if it goes backwards drastically at the next
1: election, that's not going to help it one bit. And Labour is arguably the biggest threat to them now. Yeah so they probably need to spend more time worrying about that than the, than the toys. Uh, we've got Tory MP next, haven't we, Lava?
8: We have. We've got uh, Alberto Costa uh, next. And I thought this was interesting. So this is about uh, Colin Pitchfork uh, who is up for uh, parole hearings soon, but it, it touches on uh, Dominic Raab, Deputy PM, uh, who of course was sat next to Rishi Sunak today uh, because Alberto called for his constituents views to be taken into account uh, at this parole hearing. And Rishi Sunak mentioned uh, the root and branch uh, reform that they're making to the review process. And actually, I think something quite interesting about the role of uh, ministerial direction. Is. So, take a listen to this question that I think we'll have now.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. As chairman of the All Party Group for Greece, can I put on record how sad we all are for the tragic train accident that's happened in Greece and for the tragic la- uh, loss of life? Mr. Speaker, double child rapist and killer Colin Pitchfork is once again up for parole. Next month. Now, know the prime minister doesn't have any decision-making process in terms of the independent parole board, but can he organise an urgent meeting with the secretary of state for justice so I can refer my constituents' views about this dangerous man, and he can take that into account in his submissions to the independent parole board? Yeah.
4: Well, Mr Speaker, Pitchfork's crimes were heinous and our thoughts remain with Linda and Dawn's friends and family. My honourable friend knows that it is for the Prolbar to determine these decisions, but my honourable friend, the Deputy Prime Minister, will be submitting his views on the pitchfork case to the parole board before the oral hearing. is happy to meet with the honourable gentleman again. And we have also recently published a root and branch review of the parole board system, which outlined our plans to introduce greater ministerial oversight. And I look forward to having the contributions and thoughts on that from my honourable
1: friend. Interesting. Uh, actually, a good example of a backbench uh, exchange working, because clearly uh, Alberto Costa had told Vichy Sunak what he was going to at least abroad... Sense of what he was going to ask about, so that he'd obviously got a pre-prepared answer, and he 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 could give a. an answer at all albeit probably not the answer that Alberto Costa wanted
8: Yeah I think you're right I mean what was interesting just watching that uh, on the screen then was uh, Dominic Raab it looks sweaty quite often but uh, gave <laughs> quite quite a clearly incredulous glance uh, towards Richie Sunak at the first hearing of that but then uh, looked quite tense at Richie Sinak actually committing to there being some sort of uh, meeting or, or some sort of oversight yeah. uh, or, or contribution that would be possible for Alberto in, in this case yeah but I think again very interesting on, uh, on the kind of increasingly politicised role that it looks like those that those hearings will be taking.
1: Uh, I think we've got, probably got time for one more.
8: One more. Yeah, I would love to play one more. So we've got um, Craig Tracy, Tory MP, like we said before, unlikely that we were going to see an absence of uh, of small boats being raised by Tory MPs on the backbenches today. Uh, nothing like what we saw last week, where, of course, there are multiple questions, but still, uh, here's Craig, Tra- Craig uh, Tracy kind of trying to get a firm commitment when we might be seeing uh, that legislation uh, on small boats coming before the House. Of course, that's something that a number of Tory MPs privately are pushing uh, a number ten for assurances on, something that they repeatedly uh, tell journalists they get a lot of correspondence uh, from angry constituents about.
2: Uh, Mr Speaker the tragic death of more than 50 people over the weekend when their small boat broke up off the coast of Italy is a sad reminder of the total disregard for life that the illegal traffickers who facilitate these crossings have in order to make their money so, can the Prime Minister set out what steps he's taken to bring an end to this barbaric trade, and also to reassure my constituents that stopping illegal immigration remains a key priority for this government?
6: Prime yeah. Minister,
4: my, uh, my honourable friend is right. That the tragic incident near Italy at the weekend demonstrates how too well illegal crossings put lives at risk. That's why last year the Home Secretary and I announced five new measures to tackle the problem of small boats crossings including the largest ever boats deal with France and a landmark deal with Albania but we must do more and as soon as the legislation is ready will it will be brought to this house to ensure that if you arrive in this country illegally you will not be able to stay you will be swiftly detained and removed to your own country or a safe third country alternative that is the right and responsible way to tackle this problem
0: yeah,
5: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Swell above and the home secretary sitting there uh, nodding uh, next to Rishi Sunak. This is, this remains a big issue, Tim, and it's one of Rishi Sunak's top five priorities: stop the boats. It is. He has five five priorities, five pledges. Well, Keir Starmer
7: has five missions. Very important. But the trouble is,
1: uh, but it's Rishi, Rishi Sunak's are, are more specific. And they're yes, they are really? harder
7: to meet. And actually, Rishi Sunak initially said he would pass legislation to try to stop the boats, now he's pledging to stop the boats because um, it's a lot. Uh, shorter to stick on a strap line and, you know, doing that by the end of the year is going to be uh, uh, more problematic and MPs want to see this legislation and Sunak may just afford himself a little bit of time with this uh, uh, Northern Ireland deal though, because everyone was saying, where's the deal? You've done the deal why are you pouring over all the detail? Why are you taking an age over it? And most people seem persuaded that that was worthwhile now and Mm -hmm. he can maybe turn around to some of his MPs and say, look, I got this right um, I'm hoping uh, that I'm going to get
1: uh, the small boats leg- uh, well, you know, legislation right as well. Uh, give me time, and we'll we'll get it right. Some of them might think, well, actually, maybe he could build a constructive relationship with France, which would be a starting
7: point. Well, and that was part of the argument that people were um, uh, beginning to get into um, uh, last week, when uh, you know uh, some people, including Boris Johnson, were still pushing this Northern Ireland Protocol bill. People in Downing Street were saying, "Well, look." you know, uh, that will blow up any chance we've got of uh, getting any further progress with the French. Um, And the Home Secretary, you know, is building a relationship there and we need to crack on with that instead. Um, So, yeah, it's going to remain a a big issue, but um, uh, we wait and see precisely what they've come up with. We know that, again, you know, a bit like the Brexit deal, we know the broad thrust of what they're trying to do, but it's getting the... You know, the devil's always in the detail, and it's getting that that's legal
1: working properly written down. So, Toy MP yesterday said they wanted to take a detailed look at the detail, which I thought was uh, was, was particularly good. That's <laughs> all so we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast
3: from?